Chapter thirty six of Meg of Mystery Mountain. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Meg of Mystery Mountain by Grace Maynorth. Chapter thirty six Mysteries Half Solved. It didn't take us long to get to Crazy Creek Camp, I can tell you. Bob, glancing from one to another of the group about the fireplace, saw in each face an eager interest in the tale he had to tell. But in Meg's face there was more than interest, and suddenly Bob realized that the finding of the lost box was of vital importance to the mountain girl, while, to him, it had merely been an exciting adventure, the mystery of which had lured him on. After a thoughtful moment he continued, We found most of the cabins unnumbered, or, if they had been once so marked, time and storms had done away with the numerals. But we did find a tunnel, above which the figures ten had been chipped out of solid stone. The opening of the small tunnel was closed, however, by red rocks that had fallen evidently in a landslide. I suggested that we lift them away one by one, but Jerry thought it was a waste of time, as the carving on the handle had been cabin ten, and not tunnel ten. But I was not so sure, and so we went to work, and in half an hour we had an opening large enough to enter one at a time. I had my flashlight with me, and stooping, I looked in. Strangely enough, I saw a faint gleam of daylight at the other end. Bob paused and glanced about the group to make sure they were all properly curious before he continued. The tunnel was not even high enough for Jerry to stand in erect, and so on all falls we crept through it. Since the opening had been stopped up, I did not fear meeting wild creatures, but as we neared the other end, the daylight grew brighter, and then, to our great surprise, we came out on a wide ledge, which hung there in the most dizzying manner. On it was a rustic cabin, and, back of that, a fenced-in dooryard. Surely, we decided, this was cabin ten. There was no way of reaching it except through the tunnel, as the mountain wall was almost perpendicular above and below the ledge. We were greatly elated, and at once tried the door, and found it unlocked. There was only one room, and it looked like the den of a student. Books and papers were everywhere in evidence, dust-coloured and yellowed with the years. On the desk a bottle of dried ink was uncorked, and a rusted pen laying there seemed to indicate that someone had suddenly stopped writing, and, for some reason, had never again taken up the pen. As further proof of this we found a letter which was lying near, with even the last sentence unfinished. It is addressed to my dear petite daughter, Elalie. We didn't stop to read it because it was getting late, and so we started for home. Meg, no longer able to keep silent, leaned forward, asking eagerly, Bob, may I see that letter that my father left for me? Your father? Jane and Mary exclaimed almost simultaneously. Even then Meg's calm was not outwardly disturbed. Yes, she said, turning her wonderful eyes toward her friends. In them the girls saw an expression of radiant happiness, which told them more than words could how great was Meg's joy that she had last learned who her father was. Mary and Jane were perplexed. How did Meg know? Their question was answered before it was asked. I should have told you girls this afternoon. When Dan spoke the name that had been carved on the handle of the old shovel, instantly memory recalled to me that, as a very small child, I had been taught to lift that my name was Lalie Guillette. Oh, Meg, what a beautiful name! May we begin at once to call you Elali? The mountain girl smiled at Jane. If you wish, dear friend. 
Then she held out her hand for the letter which Bob had gone to his sweater coat to procure. "'We found several books with your father's name on them as an author,' the boy informed her. And the girl looked up brightly to say, "'Oh, I'm so glad. Did you bring them?' "'No,' Bob replied. "'We thought perhaps you would like to visit the cabin and find everything there just as he left it.' "'Indeed I would!' Meg rose and going to the centre table, she spread the letter under the hanging lamp. After a moment's scrutiny, she turned towards the silently waiting group. "'It is clearly written,' she said. "'I will read it aloud.' "'To my dear petite daughter, Elali,' Meg read. "'You poor wee lassie. Not yet three and no one to care for you. I shall try to get back to New York before end comes. But there is no one, not even in France where I lived as a boy. All, all are dead.' "'But you will want to know much, and I will be gone when you are old enough to question. "'When I was twenty-one I came to New York and married a girl who was all alone as I was. "'We were very happy, but my loved one, your mother, died when you were born. "'For a long year I grieved until my health was broken. "'For your sake, Lally, I followed my doctor's advice and came to the Rocky Mountains. "'I was about to put you in a convent school, but you clung to me and would not loosen your hold.' I feared I had not long to live, and did so want you with me, hence I brought you here. But if I do not get stronger soon, I will take you back to the kind sisters who will make you a home. We reached the deserted mining camp after weeks of wandering, and I built a cabin for us, where we could be alone and unmolested. At last my lost ambition had returned. I wrote the book of my dreams, and sent it to my publisher in New York. I hope, dear little daughter, that it will be a success for your sake— but as yet I do not know. Meg looked up, and her dusky eyes were filled with tears. That is all on the first sheet, she said. The next was written at a later date. Then again she read, A tribe of Ute Indians has taken possession of the deserted cabins in the camp, but, as there is a little game hereabouts, I doubt that they will remain long. Two weeks later, I have not been as well as I hoped to be. I did very wrong to spend so many hours writing my dream book, but now that it is completed I will write no more until I am stronger. Every day with a pick and a shovel I dig in different places for recreation and exercise, endeavouring to find the fabled gold mine, the vein of which was lost, or so I have been told by an occasional miner who has passed this way. Before starting out I take you each afternoon to the cabin of the most kindly squaw who understands some English and since I pay her well, she is willing to care for you during my absence. For a long moment, Meg ceased reading, and Dan, noting that her hands trembled, went to her side, saying with tender solicitude, "'Dear girl, what is it? I fear that reading aloud this letter from your father is very hard for you. Wouldn't you rather read it to yourself?' The girl lifted tear-filled eyes. "'It isn't that, Dan,' she said. I want to share it with my friends, who are so loving and loyal, but I cannot decipher the rest. There was a faded blur on the paper, as though the pen had fallen. Then it had evidently been picked up again, but the scrawled letters that followed were very hard to read. Slowly the girl deciphered, Lally, when you are eighteen, get box. And then there was another blot, and the pen had evidently rolled across the paper. The girl held up the letter to Dan. I fear we will never know where the box is, she said, for that is all. But the lad, after scrutinising the sheet, held it up to the light. There is more written, but evidently a blot of ink spread over it. Jerry, bring the magnifying glass. 
the small boy glad to be of assistance leaped to get it dan gazed through it for a long five minutes and then he began to make the letters and bob who had seized a pencil and paper wrote them down b a n k dan glanced questioningly at meg what kind of bank do you suppose it means then to bob were there any banks of dirt near the cabin the lad shook his head jane suggested would it not be more natural to suppose it had to be in new york since that had been mr guillette's home for years they all decided this to be true then mary asked meg or may i say elali are you willing that i should wire my father all that we know he is a lawyer in new york and will gladly find out what he can how the dusky face brightened oh thank you mary please do then rising the mountain girl held out both hands to jane and mary i must go now she said to the dear old couple who have been all the father and mother i have ever known dan accompanied meg up the winding mountain road End of chapter 36